Welcome to Streets and Eats, the podcast where we want to inspire your next trip by telling you about some fantastic destinations and the best food to eat while you're there. In this episode, we're going to give you a bit of our backstory and a look into how our travel evolution took place. You wouldn't believe it, but how you travel changes throughout your life, just like many other things. To begin with, we didn't start out in the United States. Jim and I met and married in Germany when we were both in the Air Force. So we had a little bit of a different background growing up. And all of that comes into play as we started to meld our ideas of what travel was. For me, I was a military brat. I grew up all over the world, lived in places like Turkey and England and all over the United States. And my parents were frugal. They didn't have a whole lot of money as an NCO, non-commissioned officer, so and five kids. So what they did was they picked Howard Johnson's hotels to stay in. Everybody had spaghetti for dinner. We'd go swimming in the pool and go to bed for our hotels as we road tripped across the states to see family here and there. It was a great way to grow up. But Jim will tell you about his background as well. Yeah, so I guess in some ways it was a little bit similar. We often did road trips and and camping and things like that, but... Uh, we didn't really move around the States that much as as I was growing up. Um, I did move a few times, but the real constant as far as travel goes was the road trip. Uh, getting out, camping, exploring new places by road, visiting family, of course. Uh, and that was really about it until I joined the Air Force. And then it was more about traveling around the world. And that's really why I joined the Air Force was so that I could get out and travel the world. Um, so with the Air Force, I got to go to places like Japan, uh, England, even into Africa. So that was a really cool experience, but I didn't really know how to travel. And I was really limited because I was going with the military. And so our opportunity to get away and to do things on our own was severely limited. Uh, and then I moved to Germany, and we met and married in Germany. Uh, of course, even then, we were still very young. We were both in our early 20s. So to think that we are worldly, which I'm sure at the time we did, <laughs> is a little bit ridiculous. Um, but, you know, as with anything, you have to progress. You have to have that evolution. We became more worldly with time. We were only married a little while before we had our first daughter, and then our second daughter came soon after that. So we were a family of four traipsing around first Germany and then further out. As a matter of fact, you could kind of look at our progression as almost like concentric circles from our home point in Germany out towards, well, a little bit more Germany. Oh, well, a little bit more Germany. Oh, there's another country right next door or to the south or to the north. And then it just sort of grew and grew and grew until we became who we were at the end. But we'll save that for later. Um, that's just our beginning. And then we started into our very first sort of foray into traveling Travel. the world together. Yeah. And we took a bus trip to Copenhagen. Yeah, so you talk about those concentric circles, right? We started out not really being able to go out independently because we didn't really know what we were doing, uh, to say at the all. least. So one of the things that we had available to us at the time in, in Europe, in Germany, was these bus tours that would 
you know, every Friday afternoon you'd climb on a bus after work and it would whisk you off to Wherever. some new and exciting destination. Mm-hmm. Um, at least to us, they seemed new and exciting at the time. So one of our first trips together was on a bus to uh, Copenhagen, I think it was, right? Copenhagen, Denmark. I can remember it was President's Day weekend. That's right. And the only reason the why I was going on this trip, because Corinne had, had initially signed up for it, and uh, we were a I new couple. A <laughs> we were a new couple. Uh, we weren't even a couple yet at that time. Yeah, that's true. We became a couple. We were friends during at that the time. trip, really. Yeah, uh, but you know, she was this really popular girl at work, and everybody was always kind of sniffing around, if you want to put it that way. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, she had many suitors. Let's put it that way. Um, so she quickly latched on to me and said, you're going on this trip with me. And so, okay, here we go. That and was I, the start. Start of a long <laughs> journey. Strange trip. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you talk about your travel progression. At that point, it was like, here's the bus tour. This is where the bus tour is taking you. For the most part, you're going to eat the food at the restaurants where they take you. Uh, and that's safe travel. It's easy travel. There's nothing wrong with it. And there's still that travel today. Yeah, you still have those options. Yeah, I mean, you can take a bus tour to any European city or anywhere in the States. And there are tons of tour companies that are going to take you out. They're going to do all the hard work for you. And there's something to be said about not having to worry about other than catching the bus, like you said, other than, you know, where you're going to eat or what you're going to eat or what you're going to do while you're there. It's all taking where you're going to go to the bathroom. It's all taken care of for you. You don't have to worry about anything. Right. Um, And we we still have done smatterings of that throughout our travels, just because there are some things you can't not take a tour to um, or it's just easier in general. Um, but let us tell you a little bit about our trip to Copenhagen, our, so our the, very first trip on together. On that Copenhagen trip. And back then, I don't, it's probably not the same now, but you could climb on the bus, like I said, right after work with your bags packed for you or stowed for you. And they sold beer or drinks on the bus. So <laughs> you sure could buy did. beer or soda, of course, or juices, things like that, if you had kids. Um, but we were both in our 20s, like I was saying, and out on the loose in Europe. And at that time, the beers were super cheap. Uh, I think it was the German mark at that point. It was a mark so, 50. A beer. And the exchange rate was hugely in our favor. So I think that came out to about 50 cents for a beer. I would say 50 to 75 cents. So we Everybody. spent all the change that we had, all the, all the <laughs> marks that we had drinking beer, drinking beer on the bus from about, Four o'clock in the afternoon until the first real stop was a rest stop near the border or just over the near the border. Uh, and we were starving by this point, a little bit drunk, I would say. Would you think? Tipsy. Tipsy. Okay. Uh, but needing needing to eat for sure and needing to go to the bathroom. So off the off the bus we climbed into the pretty much deserted rest stop on the side of the Audubon uh, and looking for food. So, of course, we dig in our pockets. This is long before Apple Pay or Mm. credit cards accepted everywhere. 
dug in our pockets to see what remaining change we had. And I think we had what we figured we could scrape together was about one Deutschmark, which would buy us one One sausage. (laughs) One sausage on a bun with some mustard. Okay, that's all we had. So that's what we were going to eat. And now, of course, we were not dating at this point. No, not at this point. But definitely having the shared experience of being on the bus and drinking the beers uh, and and whatnot. So we felt comfortable enough sharing one worst. (laughs) One bite for you. We were too hungry not to share the worst, quite frankly. But the problem was... They didn't put the mustard on for you. They gave you a packet of mustard. So here we are. I'm, well, actually, this is, we didn't even really get to the worst at this point. No. We went to pay and we had a jumble handful of mixed coins that we thought came out to one mark. Because long before the euro, each country had their own money. So I had a little French and I had a little German. And guess what? Not enough to pay for the sausage. One of those coins I think we thought was a 50 finnig was a actually 50, a franc. Yeah. Some, some, centimes. 50 centimes in France. Yeah. So we hold so. it out to the guy to give him the money. And he says, no, 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 no. Baba, something in German. Neither one of us had a strong grasp of the language at that point. But we knew that there was a problem. It didn't really matter, though. I mean, we were so young and so starving. We must have been quite the picture. And the man behind us, who I'm not even sure what his, his um, what country he was from. Not even sure he was He was definitely not American. No, he wasn't even American. <laughs> and anyway, he threw the money at us and said, get your sausage and go. Get you out know, of my way. Get out of my way. So, okay. So we get finally get the sausage. and uh, We're very excited. Excited to eat this. And I... I'm kind of fumbling around with the mustard packet and trying to, for some reason, balance the worst at the same time. And fumble, 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 plop, goes the worst. On to, now remember, this is February in (laughs) northern Germany. And it was muddy and yucky. The floor was just a mess. Yeah, but it was in Germany. And they do a really good job of keeping things clean in Germany. But anyway, we it looked at each matter. other and for about half a second. Half a second. And we both reached down real quick to scoop that thing up, put it back on the bun with a little bit of a wipe and down Chowed it. Chowed it down. Yeah. So anyway, they didn't give you a lot of choices on where you're going to eat. Luckily, uh, once we got into Denmark, of course, we had Danish Danish kroner with us. We were ready for that. Um I, I believe some of the meals were included in the tour, like breakfast was included, so you don't have to worry about that. One of the meals was included, um, so, and that was our first experience of a true smorgasbord, a Danish smorgasbord, which in my mind, a smorgasbord was like a buffet. golden buffet or <laughs> one of those all-you-can-eat type things. It is all-you-can-eat, but it's nothing like an American smorgasbord where you have all the different options in the hot plates and uh, spaghetti or, or carved ham, mashed potatoes, gravy, all that, all that good stuff, right? This was fish. Fish, fish, and, fish and, oh, more and fish. let us have, give you some more fish. So being the not too adventurous eaters, uh, that was kind of one of mine, at least one of my first experiences of, well, this is what you have to eat. It's time to start exploring and, and become adventurous. And, and I think that's how everybody's travel progression with food kind of, kind of evolves. 
and it has to. And we had fun in Copenhagen. We'll we'll talk about Copenhagen in another podcast because we've been back many times since that first fateful night that Fray. brought us together. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that at another time. But we just wanted to let you know that our first sort of circle outside of our hometown where we were living in Germany was to take a bus take trip. These bus tours. And I think that's a really good option. Where we didn't have to do anything. For a lot of people. It's, it's a great option. I mean, nowadays you can do the same thing. I guess they had cruises back then too, but we couldn't afford them. But, you know, on a cruise ship or a, right. a two-week tour, you can do all kinds of things that you don't have to do the planning for. So that was what we did too. Yeah. And eventually one of the things we would do is after we'd been to a city on the bus... Uh, we would be more familiar with it. And we realized, you know, we don't need the bus tour. We don't need these people to set everything up for us. We, we have a car and we can drive. Okay. So, so we decided that we can do our road tripping on our own and that we, we could handle it. First road trip we took, one of the first road trips we took was not too far from home. It was still in Germany. And we went down to Bavaria, which we later ended up living in Bavaria, which is fantastic. But at this time, we, we hadn't been there yet, and we wanted to go to Munich, and we wanted to go see the fairy tale castle, Neuschwanstein, and all of Ludwig's castles, actually. So we set up a little route that we wanted to take. Now, it's our first sort of road trip on our own. We were in the military. We stayed at military hotels. We were living in Germany. We pretty much ate at a regular German restaurant anywhere. And we'd still order pretty much the same thing, you know, Jaeger schnitzel and pummice, which we is, knew what we liked. We knew we we knew we liked it. It was it was schnitzel with a mushroom sauce, over um, usually served with French fries, and every American loves it. It's just delicious. And we must have ordered that. I don't know, gosh, well, those first could, years, two hundred times. You I knew mean, you could get it anywhere. You could just get it anywhere. And, and by we, this point, we're married, and yeah, we have and babies. A, a, um, just uh, just Devin at that point. Mm-hmm. She's very like a baby, a baby baby. So we have to be ready for that. Which, of course, for traveling means a whole another set of things you have to do to be able to travel, right? <laughs> Bring your baby stuff. Kid travel, here we go. What happened to us? One so, of our favorite stories. So one of the things we do, uh, we did with... Devin was we wanted to take her to the zoo. Let's see animals. Even though she was an infant and wouldn't recognize anything, let alone remember anything, um, it was still a fun way to get out. So we've got the stroller and we've got the baby bag. And of course, we're also, we're both have always been very big into photography. So we've got all of our, all camera, our gear. camera gear. And back then there were no smartphones. So it was maps and guidebooks. And of course, you know, with the stroller, we've only got a little bit of of carrying capacity. So we've got this little red bag, little handbag that we keep some diapers in and a bottle of formula and the map and the spare lens that's not on the camera body, which happened to be a telephoto at that time. Nice, big, long zoom telephoto. Heavy. Heavy. And we we tour the the zoo and had a good time. Probably had some Jägerschnitzel in the zoo's restaurant. <laughs> Of course we did. And get ready to go. Um, but of course, Devin needs a diaper change at the car. So we do that in the back of the car and load up the stroller and head on back to our hotel, which yeah. is a good hour away. Well, you know, at this time, this is like the height of the Cold War. Uh, 
early 80s. And not only Cold War, but a lot of tension in Germany with um, different radical groups and bombings and bomb threats at different military and political places, government government places. Well, we get to our hotel, which was on a military base, and it's in lockdown. And we're, so we're looking at the guards, and he's looking at us like, where have you been? Who are you? Why are you here? We had our ID cards and everything, so there's no reason why it should have been a problem. Uh, but then we get in and we find out that there was a what they thought was a terrorist threat at the Munich Zoo. We just look at each other with this, like, uh-oh. What did we do? Turns out somebody, oh my gosh, can you believe this? left their baby bag with bottles with formula in it and a telephoto lens. And what else did we have in there? A guidebook. With things circled on it. Uh, yeah. We caused the military lockdown because we left our baby bag. So we had to sort of own up to it. And we actually got our baby bag back, with which was great. The rest of the stuff didn't matter, but my telephone lens The lens was pretty did. expensive for us. Um, and so we were surprised, and we got that all back. And we sort of chuckled to ourselves and looked repentant and went to our room. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of our evolution of travel... Um, well, of course, you learn a few things from that. Don't <laughs> don't leave your things unattended. Um, but, you know, we were becoming more comfortable driving ourselves to places and finding our own restaurants. Um, still kind of having that insulative effect of the staying military. in the military bases and whatnot. Uh, but just kind of feeling our legs and getting out more. So that takes us to our next trip. Here we are. We're ready to go to a different country as a road trip. We're going to take our car. We're going to drive it ourselves. We're going to go to the tourist sites and the restaurants and shopping and whatever else we're going to do all on our own. We're not, no tours whatsoever. Um, well, we were traveling with friends. We were traveling with friends. One and of they which were, was German. Or two of, a couple was German. So, so that they, was helpful. They helped a little bit. Um, but we went into Czechoslovakia. And yes, that's how old we are. It was Czechoslovakia back then. The borders had just started opening up. It was the end of the 80s. And yet they had not gone, they hadn't gone through their their um, revolutions yet where they split from the Soviet Union completely. So we were able to cross the border from Germany into Czechoslovakia. Uh, but we didn't really stay there too long. We'd go in for a short forays and then come straight back out again. And it was quite a dull, and when I say dull, I mean not, dull looking. Not as in boring, but <laughs> color-wise. Color-wise, very dull like and drab. like stepping into a slightly colored black and white film. Yeah, every time we did it. Yeah. And we were completely, I mean, talk about being put out of your comfort zone. We, I mean, it was a different, it different was a different language. vibe completely. Not a lot of, not, well, hardly anyone spoke English at that time. There wasn't even a whole lot of restaurants or anything to choose from because it's just not something so they did. Yeah. Certainly but, no Jägerschnitzel. <laughs> but we did find a few things and we had a great time and going on the Charles Brig Bridge in Prague for the very first time before the the country even split up to the Czech Republic and Slovakia. 
Um, that's pretty impressive. But we found this little coffee place, and now we're going to tell you one of the most embarrassing stories of our lives. Well, can it get much much more embarrassing than picking up the sausage off the ground and eating it? Oh, yeah. Well, we've had a few. What can I say? But anyway. So, so in this cafe in Czechoslovakia, uh, we had really just stopped in for a quick snack. Get, I think we needed to get a drink for one of the kids and a coffee. You know, we're driving, want to stay awake. So our friend Rudiger orders us some coffee. He says, I, I've got just the thing. This is the best coffee. You're going to love it. So he gets us some coffees and hands one to me. And it comes in a little plastic, like a little plastic Dixie cup, right? Not, not very big, super hot. No real way to hold it because it's plastic, small plastic cup. Um, black, no options for sugar or cream or anything. And I sip it and it's basically mud, coffee mud. Well, well that's, that's what I thought hot. at the time. Uh, now I know differently, but my first reaction was to, for some reason, and I have this on video of all things, <laughs> VHS, uh, is to hold up the cup and yell at, at Corinne across the room. You would not believe this coffee. Oh, my God. It's full of the grounds. They didn't even take the grounds out yet. Well, you know, once you've been around the world and you've been to a few different places and seen coffee made multiple ways, I believe it is more like a Turkish coffee. And it was probably not bad at all. But we were young and stupid. And used to our coffee coming out of a And how many things did we urn. do wrong? We yelled. We were loud in the right. restaurant. Typical. We were talking about this coffee, which, okay, we didn't care for it, but even if you don't care for something and you're in a foreign country, it's probably not a good idea to ridicule it as you're still there. Wait till you leave. Go back to your hotel room or something. Um, We did a lot of things wrong. We we feel, looking back on it, we we feel pretty bad. I did drink the coffee. So, you know, other than actually experiencing a new thing and trying it, it was kind of a travel fail, I would say, on our parts. The rest of the trip, I think, went really well. We did learn that when you don't have access to a good guidebook or the internet and you're trying to find good food, a good restaurant, um, some tricks for that, you know, look for places that are busy, of course. Which we're going to tell you in our next episode, so yeah. we won't talk about so them here. We won't talk too much about that. So here we are. We, we ventured out. We did another country. For the weekend, a long weekend. And it was maybe not the most successful weekend we ever had, but it was different. It was fun. And it just fueled our fire for more. So summer's coming up. We decided to go camping. Multi-countries. We went from Germany through northern Italy to France France and down into the Costa del Sol in Spain and then back up again. Um, did we spend a night in Switzerland? We may have spent we a night in Switzerland. Did. I'm not even sure. But we hit multiple countries. We camped the entire way. I don't think we stayed in any hotel. No, we no, did. We did stay in one hotel. In Italy. We couldn't find a camping spot. So we went into town and they had one room. I don't know why it was so busy. Just summertime, I guess. Um, but we got a room that, to share for us. And your sister, Ernestine, was with us. And Devin, of course, was still a baby at that point. And I remember we washed her in the sink and we set up a bed for her. We were traveling without it 
a real bed for the baby. I don't. I guess they didn't really have those. They pop-up didn't things have back those then. things back then. So we pulled out a baby drawer. Baby slept in the bed with you. No, we pulled her out a drawer from the dresser and we made a little bed in the drawer. That was that pretty way cool. Too. Um, and along the way we camped. So the food story that goes along with this is there's a couple of them really. One of them were in this campground in France and we'd gone to the market. And in the market, we saw these beautiful lobsters, which, of course, you know, lobster wasn't cheap back then either. But we decided to buy one up and we'd have it for dinner that night. Well, as I'm cooking this lobster on a camp stove, our Coleman stove, our Coleman stove, we ended up with an audience of probably 30 people from the campground. And and everybody was just sort of open mouthed agape at watching us in France prep this this meal at this campground and this Dutch lady I remember she was sort of the she wasn't as shy so she was sort of the the speaker of the group and she says what are you doing I said well I'm making dinner and she says what is that and I said well I don't know what it's called here but but it you know it's lobster so we're just gonna boil it up and we're gonna eat it oh so we boiled it up, and I even offered them a, a taste, and only the Dutch woman tried it. And it was just funny because, And she you loved know, it. She loved it, yeah. It's delicious. Lobster with butter, right? After they tried it, they they were all like, okay, we could leave now. But it was a very interesting little experience. They were just experience. watching us. And we both are good campers. We know how to camp. Uh, yeah. At that point, I don't think we could say we were good cooks, but... <laughs> We weren't bad. We could boil a lobster. We could boil water and <laughs> throw a lobster in it. <laughs> Alive, which I think they were really... A, Maybe that was part of the problem. I don't know. It was very really interesting. bothered by. Not bothered, but just amazed. They were amazed at us. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. So we basically hit a bunch of beaches. We were on the Côte d'Azur in France, uh, down in Nice, and on the, on the Mediterranean coast. And then we went into Spain. Uh, All the way down to Granada, right? We did Granada as well that trip, yeah. Yeah, we were all over the place. Um, And then we had the Paella experience. And then we went, yeah. So from Granada, we went inland and started coming up towards Madrid. And a different experience travel-wise, once you get off the coast, not nearly as many tourists. I think that's still true today, but um, certainly more now than there was then. But the same old thing, trying to find food along the way and needing to get food for our camping. So spending a lot more time at grocery stores than we would have. Uh, and we didn't really know anything about Spanish food. Yeah, at that point. We didn't have the internet. No. <laughs> I don't even know if we had a guidebook for that trip. I'm sure we did. We must have, yeah. Well, we had this really good camping book that covered mm. all of the campgrounds in Europe with like these... Um, icons and symbols to tell you about each one whether they have showers where they have bathrooms do they have a, a, a boating and swimming no. but it wasn't for restaurants that it was just for but campgrounds. not for restaurants just for campgrounds and there were guidebooks but we didn't have one um, so we happened to go into this one grocery store to pick up some supplies and in the parking lot they've got this huge canopy set up and there's people inside behind a, a counter and they're cooking something and of course, there's people lined up. There's tables set up to eat, uh, and it just looks like a real festive atmosphere for a grocery store parking lot. Well, we so we get out of the car and we go investigate, and they've got this gigantic frying pan over sitting on a, a gas burner, 
and they're cooking up the largest pan of paella that I we've think ever we've seen. ever seen, even <laughs> since then. And that was our first experience with paella. I mean, we knew. I think by that point, we knew what paella was. I don't think we'd had it, so it was definitely something we wanted to have while we were in Spain. And I think we had a good, good pan of it. It was yeah. delicious. But we were just starting really to find out that we'd like to try the local foods rather than just looking for the pizza that was available. Right. The Jaeger schnitzel. <laughs> and that brings us to... So that evolved into uh, not just a road trip, but flying to a new place so that we could save some of that driving time. Uh, flying to a new country or new new city and renting a car and driving ourselves in, in the countries. So for instance, one of the times we did that was flying into Sofia, Bulgaria, where we rented a car and we drove all over the country, like all over the country, which mm -hmm. driving in some countries, even though it's Europe, you would think isn't really that hard. You've driven in one country, you've driven all of them, uh, but it can be a challenge. The languages are different, whether they're going to have English on the road signs or not. Um, you have to be prepared for that. Uh, and in Bulgaria, it was all... Cyrillic, is that the word? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cyrillic. Um, so really a first experience with that kind of driving. Um, I think at this point we're getting pretty adventurous. Well, this is years later too. And but, we've evolved. That's the whole point of this podcast is we've been evolving. Exactly. So, yeah. So really kind of a, not a spontaneous trip in that we had to plan to get there and, and have a rental car ready for us when we got there. I'm sure you could get one at the airport, At the airport, although that's not always true. Um, so we had that much planned. We knew where we were going to stay. And this kind of turned into. We knew our stops, but we didn't have hotels planned. Well, we knew where we were going to stay the first night, mm. which is something that we had learned. Um, and we still, that's we still, still something we do. Yeah, that's still something we Whenever do. you're flying into a new country or a new city, uh, you want to know where you're staying that first night and maybe even the night before you leave the country. But other than that, try to keep it as open as you can um, just to make it more, more spontaneous, more adventurous. Uh, so that's what we did in Sofia and Bulgaria. We rented a car. We drove all over the country. We didn't really plan hotels or restaurants. Um, we relied more on what locals would tell us uh, get recommendations from either the clerk in the hotel or, uh, you know, in, when you go into the restaurant, asking the waiter what their favorite thing on the menu is and going with that. Um, but when you do that, of course, it you really become more open to adventure with food. Uh, if you ask them what you should get on the menu, you got to be ready to take it. So, well, I mean, sometimes... <clears throat> you have to ask it the right way, too, because there's often something that's pretty um, low-key, something that's generic. Like, one thing we noticed in uh, Eastern Europe a lot was you could get a schnitzel. Well, yeah. just because schnitzel was what people knew was a European dish, they would offer that, but it wasn't really one of their dishes. But here we are. We're, we're down in southern Bulgaria, and our... It was Melnick. such a blast. This, this little town called Melnik with a beautiful um, monastery that we had visited there. And the city itself is just really cute as well. And we're staying in a 
a guest house and the person who owned the guest house told us to go down to this particular restaurant. So we go to this restaurant and we're the only people in the restaurant. The hotelier or restaurateur who was in, who was cook, he did everything. He cooked, he Waiter. was the barman, he, you know, he did it all. And he was quite the personality. Um, we learned a lot from him. We basically went in there and said, give us a couple of beers and you decide for us what we we're going to We don't really know dinner. what's on the menu. What should we We couldn't eat? read it. It didn't mean anything to us. Just feed us. Uh, which we've done many times in the past, actually. And it's almost always worked out. So <laughs> the first thing he brings out for us, we weren't sure how to take this, was Zellini Spokini. Zellini Spokini. It sounded so much fun. He was very proud of it. We kept saying it. And it, 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 it turned out to be something that you could find anywhere in Bulgaria. And that is a, a sheep's yogurt with, in this case, uh, figs, which was quite delicious. Yeah. It was so delicious that when we knew what they were later on, we stopped at one of those stands on the side of the road where two ladies in there, two babushkas in their scarves. With a little fire burning. Yeah, we're selling. teapot on top of it. Selling their local jams. And we knew what to get. So we got our our figs from them. And that was pretty cool. Um, But the whole meal was quite quite memorable because basically we sort of, you know, threw caution to the wind and said... Feed us what you will, what and we had, and not only did we have an amazing dinner, but we, but the guy just entertained us the entire and night. He was super excited to be showing us these dishes, and no, none of us spoke. A, well, they, we didn't speak a common language, really. No, but yet somehow, as yeah, you it get a, usually you get happens, along. with gestures, and you find some words in other languages that you do understand—German or Italian—and and you you make communicate. It work. You make it work. Yeah, and but then sometimes you walk in and it's a completely different story. One night we wanted to go get a, a drink after after dinner and after walking around the town for a while. Uh, I forget the name of that town. Seeing all the sights. This was another Bulgarian town where there was um, in the in the town center, the old town, had been a Roman village at one point in time, and they had very cleverly, I think, excavated the ruins. Um, but then left them still available for for viewing, like through plexiglass sheets on the ground and open areas. Plovdiv. Yeah, Plovdiv, that's right. Uh, so, so anyway, we're looking for a place to get a drink. And most of the town was kind of closing down, I think. But we walked by what looked like a really nice kind of a local yet still at least somewhat inviting for tourists in an old stone building bar door was open. So when we walked, there's only one person in there standing behind the bar. We assume he's the bartender. Uh, we still don't know to this day if he really was the bartender. Uh, he had on the counter next to him, a very large duffel bag that was filled with something. We don't know what, uh, but just sitting there, and he, when we walked in, he kind of looked up with a little bit of guilt, guilt, uh, but then quickly shifted into a routine of, yes, come in, come in. He spoke good English. He'd lived in England for a while That's right. until he was kicked out of the convent where he was a, a cook, which he told us. Uh, he didn't tell us why he was kicked out, I don't think. Um, but anyway, he's was very friendly. 
Entertaining. Entertaining. Wanted us to try all the local drinks. He had a bottle, a plastic bottle, like an old water bottle that was mm. filled with... Rakia. Rakia. Some local distilled drink. Spirit. That you could pretty much find anywhere in Bulgaria. Uh, he gave us try sips of that. He wanted us to try the local tequila. Uh, all kinds of stuff. We, I don't think we even ever did get a beer. But eventually we realized that something was happening here. Something was amiss. And he was actually getting to the point where he was getting a little furtive trying to get us to leave. So we just left. We never really did find out what the story there was. But he never charged us for anything. Really crazy. It was it was an odd experience, but fun. Still interesting and fun. And luckily it didn't turn into anything bad. Uh, and I think that our kind of safety radars were kind of going off the whole time. And we realized we probably needed to get out of there too. So, And these are the things you, you kind of pick up as you travel. So that's kind of where we still are today. We like to travel pretty loosely. We do a little bit more planning sometimes and less planning other times. It really just depends. But we definitely want to look for the local food and we definitely want to see not only the top sites in the country, which are important, and the World Heritage Sites, which are important, but we want to experience the culture and we want to just have a lot of fun while we're doing it. So I think that's still kind of where we are today. And and our list will go on and on and on. Yeah, that's um, what our podcast is really, really about. That's right. Sharing those ideas with with you, with the audience, and giving you ideas of of how to travel maybe out of your comfort zone a little bit and kind of keep pushing that boundary. So and so basically our entire podcast, even not just episode one, is gonna be about our travel evolution and the things that we've learned. Uh, because I do believe travels and education, um, things that we've experienced, fun that we've had, and you know, we're just going to pass it on to you, and hopefully you can get out there and do some now that the world is is sort of opening up again. Um, yeah, we've shared some of our older stories, and of course, you know, what we did in Copenhagen in 1982 or 83 may not be as relevant today, um, but some of that advice is, um, and of course, we've been back to Copenhagen, and we've never stopped traveling. Um, the only thing that has stopped us traveling in the last year has it's been the same thing that stopped everybody thing that's else stopped everybody <laughs> uh, but, but as soon getting... as that's done and gone you know we've got our vaccines and we are ready to to get out there again and share all of that information with you with you so thanks for joining us at streets and eats where we want to encourage you to savor the adventure please remember to hit the subscribe button and tell all your friends about us ciao, ciao for, for now, now.